Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 424. The second is something I, I try to have to force myself to think about a lot is comes from my father or our father. Um, anytime anybody asked him, you know, how are you doing today, Steve? And he, his unbelievable response each and every time was best day of my life. And he meant that. Um, any day you can get up, put your feet on the ground, your kids are healthy. You got a uh, purpose, an opportunity to, 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 to do something in life. It's, it's a good day. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. 89% of guests research a restaurant online before dining out. Your website is your first impression. So answer me this question honestly. What does your website say about your restaurant? Also, websites are no longer static brochures. They're dynamic tools that can help you drive revenue. Head over to getbento.com and see why thousands of restaurants trust Bento Box with their websites. And if you mention Restaurant Unstoppable, you can save up to $1,500 on initial setup. Get on it. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for modern small businesses. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service to take care of your team. To help support Restaurant Unstoppable, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months Free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable. All right. So with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guests, Brad and Brian Wasik. Brad, Brian, are you two feeling unstoppable today? Absolutely. Unstoppable might be a strong word for me. Uh, yesterday was my birthday, and oh, I chose to imbibe hey, a little bit last night. You showed up. That's all that matters. But I'm here. <laughs> awesome. So uh, quick shout-out to RJ Joyce for helping me set this up. Uh, great guy out of Portsmouth, Louis Restaurant, and uh, Wasik's Cheese Shop. In Wellesley is a family business that has specialized in selecting and maturing cheeses since it was established by the late Stephen Wasik in 1979. Now run by Carol Wasik and her sons, Brad and Brian, the shop offers cut-to-order cheeses, wines, charcuterie, specialty foods, and other gourmet items. I can't wait to dive into your story and find out what makes you guys you, but let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for me? Uh, I don't know if they're exactly taglines or anything like that, but uh, something I've been going on recently is we are not as much in the food business as we are in the relationship business. And that's such a huge part of what we do as far as customer service and just quality of service in our shop. Um, So we're in the relationship business first, the food business second. And then we've kind of always established ourselves by, you know, if we're not going to take it home, a product home, and enjoy it with our own families, we're not going to sell it in our store. So those are the two things we kind of – I go by anyway. I don't know about my brother. Brian, you want to add anything to that? I think that everybody or anybody that's in the food business knows that we're – at least I, I feel we're here because of passion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're not going to – I'm not going to – I haven't made a ton of money in the food business, but I've, I've made a great life for myself, and life is more about money. I mean less about money and more about you know experiences. 
um, my two mantras or taglines that I tend to, I didn't even know they were one until you made me think of them. Um, my first is uh, from Dory, from Nemo. <laughs> and it's just simply, just keep swimming. Yes. Um, stuff happens, comes at you fast, and you got to think on your feet. And and, you, and every day can be a daily grind. So just keep swimming through the day. And, and at the end of the day, you have a yes. beer, put your feet up, it feels good. The second is something I, I try to have to force myself to think about a lot is comes from my father or our father. Um, anytime anybody asked him, you know, how are you doing today, Steve? And he, his unbelievable response each and every time was best day of my life. Awesome. And he meant that. Um, any day you can get up, put your feet on the ground, your kids are healthy, you got a uh, purpose and opportunity to, 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 to do something in life. It's, it's a good day. Awesome. Um, this so, is what I'm after. This is the good stuff. Uh, it's funny because uh, RJ, when he reached out and he told me about you, uh, he's like, I know they're not restaurants, but they're in the food and beverage industry. And he's like, just trust me when I say these guys embody everything that you're trying to make an example of. And I think we're off to a good start because those, those if factors, those values you just shared with us, aren't even if factors, but these, these success quotes, starting with just, you know, uh, it's all about the people, right? And that's what the it's it's not we're not in the food business, like you said, we're in the people business, and that you guys get that. Uh, maybe that came from your dad. I don't know where it came from, uh, but just you know, finding your passion and leaning into it, and knowing what makes you happy, and just being grateful. And that's what I heard listening to you guys. Awesome stuff. Um, so let's go back to where it all started. So tell us a little bit of the history of Wasix, uh, and basically starting with your dad, right? So uh, let's start there. So our father, uh, when he started in the, the food business, he's a son of Polish immigrants. Um, so he grew up in Greenwich, Connecticut, which is a lot like Wellesley. Um, but even back, you know, there's two sides to every town. But back then, it was even more polarized. And he was on the other side of the tracks. Um, until he went to grade school, he spoke Polish. And um, somewhere when he was about 14, 15 years old, um, my nana um, kicked him out of the house and said, basically, Stevie, you got you to gotta go get a job. So he went down Greenwich Ave, which, again, is a lot like Central Street here in Wellesley. It's a very affluent area. And the first place he, that took him in, basically, was a cheese shop. And it was the very first cheese shop of a franchise called Cheese Shop International, which back in the heyday had um, over 100 stores, I believe, from Greenwich to Darien to Concord, Mass, Wellesley, Mass, all the way out to Beverly Hills. And he worked from sweeping floors in the franchise or in the Greenwich the flagship location all the way up to vice president of the whole franchise. Oh, wow. um, so when I was young, Brad wasn't even born yet. Um, we lived in Greenwich area and um, he was traveling all the time. If he was, um, uh, he would bring in the prospective franchisees to Greenwich. He would train them. He'd fly them or go out to wherever they were in the country um, and help set up their shops. And then once the shop was up and running, he would be flying back and forth um, from Paris. They were the first people to actually import real French brie, which sounds kind of mundane to, to every art opening now. But back in the day, that was like, you know, the cat's meow. That was it, man. <laughs> so... Um, he was traveling all the time on a buying trip coming back from Paris. His plane almost went down. They lost compression oh, wow. and he didn't think that it was ever going to, he was going to see the other side of the Atlantic. And um, he did obviously the, the plane landed safely. And um, he, I was, was I two, three years old? My sister, we have an older sister, Chrissy, who sometimes helps us out on the holidays. Um, she has a real job though. <laughs> Um, so at any rate, uh, she would have been about four or five, I believe. And, um, he got, he left the franchise and said, I can't travel. I wanted to spend time. He was a family man. And, uh, we moved here in 1979, bought this store from the franchise. 
and then Brad came along and um, we were born and raised in the back room of, of the cheese shop here. And he always claimed that he taught us everything he knew, but he, he was one of those guys that he forgot more than he knew. If you're, what's that, what's that line? I forgot more than I know. Uh, something like that. Yeah. He, um, <laughs> he had, he had done everything in this business. And um, one of the important things I think he taught us is not only the business of cheese um, and the business of people, as Brad mentioned, um, but he, one of the, when he passed in 2010, one of the, th- the lines that kept coming up and up is he taught us how to live. Um, it wasn't just about working hard, which is we both have, you, know, you have to have a strong work ethic mm. to have your own business, but it was about how to enjoy what you have, if it's what, whatever it might be. Um, so it's just the power of gratitude and just being thankful for what you have and not what you don't have and just reflecting. I mean, it could always be worse. Right. Uh, and that's what I'm picking up from you. Um, what do you think it was aside from the travel, uh, that your dad didn't like about that, that franchise model? I think he liked the franchise model. It was a great, brilliant and let's open stores and then go supply all the stores, you know, um, by importing, being the first people to import great European cheeses, which at the time were not existent in, in the United States. Um, but I know he he had a mentor that he worked for, uh, Cornelius Hearn, who founded the Cheese Shop International. And I know he, there were sons in the business and he was vice president. And there was no more for him to, there was nowhere to grow and to, to move into. Um, so he, he, I think, just realized that, you know, to be home, like I said, he was a family man. He wanted to be home all the time with, the, with us. But we didn't quite realize that we were going to be home at the cheese shop that was our home yeah brad do you want to chime in yeah no absolutely i think you know quality of life uh travel was you know a key thing as far as being a major deterrent from what was going on and he took great pride in driving us to school every day um when we were little we were embarrassed because you're like the only kids dropped off by their dad every single day but now that i'm a parent too i totally understand what he was doing and he had that 10 or 15 minutes every morning just to talk or not talk or see what we were going on and i mean shoot i remember singing christmas carols when i was like four years old five years old in the car with him and now those are some of the best memories i have but you know he took really great pride in just being able to take us to school and having a 15 minute unadulterated window just to have a conversation with his children which you had no idea what was going on when you were a kid but now that I, you know, that we're on the other side of it, it's pretty cool. So far up to this point, like really what I'm like gathering from you guys is just the power of uh, recognizing what really matters in life. And your dad seems like he was one of those people that just like, no matter how well he was doing in the franchise, like what really mattered to him was time with the family and uh, making an impact. Right. Uh, and, and that's one big lesson I've learned doing this podcast is that successful people, uh, the independent operators, at least really focus on making an impact and focusing on uh, the, the human qualities of life. Uh, those are the, the true valuable assets uh, that we should be focusing on. Do you want to reflect on that? You know, it's funny just to hear you say it. I don't think he ever identified it and said, you know, this is what I'm going to do and why I'm going to do it. I just think it's the way he was. Mm -hmm. And now that we're looking back on it and, you know, we're we're more cognitively thinking about how to run a business and how to grow and what makes us tick and this and that, putting it into words what he had been doing just because of his nature um, is pretty cool to see you know he he was doing it but i don't ever think he actually put well i'm gonna do it this way because this works well this is just it was it was trial and error and but it was more the way he was Mm. so awesome i love it so um let's kind of like move chronologically he decides to open the restaurant or not the restaurant the uh cheese shop in 1979 was that right Correct. Yeah. Uh, so 79. What What are your memories of being a kid growing up 
in a cheese shop, like <laughs> reflecting on how things operated and what you learned from him. No, absolutely. So Brian's a few years older than I am. So he probably has some more clear memories from when we first started on. I mean, I was born a couple years after they bought the shop, but uh, I remember, you know, every weekend or sick day spending in the back of the store or in this basement where we're doing this recording right now <laughs> and, you know, making forts with the empty boxes, you know, sweeping the floor, stocking shelves, you know, when we were, you know, under 10 years old, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, we loved it and we hated it at the same time. And, you know, I always said I was never going to go into the food business or in the family business. But when you're in the food business, it's nearly impossible to get out of it. Yeah. I mean, there's too many perks and quality of life, as my brother said before. Wait, so let's go deeper into that. What are the perks? Or in your opinion, what are the, the benefits, the, the perks that make it worthwhile? Uh, we So we just finished the holiday season. My eight-year-old daughter said, Daddy, are we going to have that black stuff that we have with the cheeses <laughs> of, you know, every holiday or whatever it might be? And she was referring to caviar. Um, and she loves it. And it's an unadulterated. She doesn't know what it is. She yeah. just loves the taste of it. And um, it's it's growing up with that. Mm. Uh, we were always exposed to the best foods. Mm. Um, and it wasn't because we were trying to be impressive to other people. It's just that's what we have here. Now, my biggest thrill going to grandma's house when we went back down to Connecticut to visit on a holiday is my... Uh, we'd run up and give grandma a big kiss because we loved her grandma. We didn't see her too much, but we'd you know, give her a big kiss. And then we'd run to the refrigerator, get a craft single because we never had craft singles growing up. And then we'd sit down and watch MTV back, you know, back in the day when they actually had videos on MTV because we didn't have cable television either. <laughs> that, you know, so we were always exposed to great foods growing up. So that's definitely a perk. And, and, um, my, our, both our mom and father, I mean, they, they cooked, they had, they entertained, they had great dinner parties and just this passion for food and cooking, I think, um, carries over. And Brad and I, it's kind of, um, we, we use the store as our, our big glorified pantry. You know, we get meat deliveries every week. Um, this weekend I'm making chili. We're going skiing. So nice. I'm making some chili with some brisket, you know, I got <laughs> Rancho Gordo beans, the best dried beans you could possibly ask for out of California. Um, I got you know, easy access to those and, and, and just having this, this wealth of, there's breadth of, um, quality ingredients to, to, to do what we love, mm-hmm. you know. Um, whether it's cooking or, or going out or whatever it is, it's just always um, around us. It surrounds us. And I, I think that is the perk of the business is, you know, I couldn't afford to eat like this otherwise. So Nice. Uh, Brad, do you want to chime in? Yeah. Share any of your thoughts? So absolutely. Um, you know, besides the quality of food that we're surrounded with and being able to use like the best French butter to make my son's grilled cheese. I mean, that is awesome. And don't get me wrong. It's like the coolest thing in the world. Um, and then the wine aspect, we got a wine license about three years ago. So we we're obviously drinking a lot better too. Um, just continuing to expand our palate, but a little bit more abstract way of thinking about it. You know, we just had our busy holiday rush where people are waiting in line up to an hour and a half, two hours. And there's no one in a miserable mood or they're waiting in line in the store. Everyone's happy. So people come to us when they're celebrating, you know, 90% of the time. When they're, they're having people over, they're having a cocktail party, they enjoy coming to our store. It's not like going to the dentist or something like that. So, you know, people are pretty fired up when they're in line. And that's it, being able to to deal with people on a daily basis that are that are excited to be at your sh- your shop is hugely beneficial just you know overall and it makes you know working hard so much more enjoyable so so some of the things i also want to dive into are some of the the business aspects uh, but before we dive into that i'm just realizing i didn't ask about your mom cuz i'm sure she was a big part of she still is a big part she's upstairs right now as we speak what were some of the are some of the things you're, you're learning from your mom to this day 
Um, it's interesting. Her role has changed in the past seven or eight years since my father had passed away. Um, she had always worked, you know, pretty much full time as we were getting older. And then when my brother and I got in the business and she had a little bit more free time to take away. Um, so she worked, I don't want to say part time, more so than part time, but she was allowed a lot of freedoms and things like that. And then when my father passed, she took over a lot of the book work and things he used to do. Um, and it keeps her busy. She, she enjoys coming to work. She's a place where she sees all of her family all of her friends because a lot of customers have become friends. So she's back more so in the business more than ever. Um, and it's been really beneficial for us to have her around and for her too, just to kind of, you know, just be social and, and be surrounded in a positive environment. Awesome. Go for it. Uh, she's an incredible baker. Her knack with pastry dough is unbelievable. Um, so if I've learned anything from, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I wish I had her touch with dough. Yeah. Um, no, but she, her tenacity, she's, she's an amazing woman. And, um, I love to see, you know, she's, she gets a lot of respect from customers when they come in the store and she's earned every bit of it. And that's for sure. So from a business perspective, uh, you guys spent a lot of time, like you said, just being in here, being in the basement, uh, just witnessing your dad in business transactions. Uh, what do you think you've absorbed from, from your dad in regards to uh, how, the business side of an operation? I uh, spent a lot of time talking about the human side, but any business uh, wisdom that you picked up? Um, the, the joke here is that uh, this whole business is run on back of used envelopes and uh, <laughs> deli paper or cheese paper, which is kind of true. Although my mother has uh, tightened the grip. She's um, much better that way. My dad, our father was very laissez-faire. Okay. Um, and he, pe- people in this business liked him because he was a genuinely nice guy. But one of the, um, the, the biggest, uh, or actually two of the biggest lessons I learned business wise from him, one would be, um, uh, was it a velvet glove, iron fist of some sort? Yeah. How does that go? Velvet yeah, hammer. velvet, the velvet hammer. Um, when it, and in, in other words, you, you can be nice, but it's also a business. So when yeah. you have to drop the hammer, um, you know, you, you have to deliver the message. And um, the second thing is when you deliver that message, and it's uh, never, never point an unloaded gun. So if you're if you're feuding over a delivery or um, um, something happens, you can't. You can't cut off your suppliers for sure if you need them. Um, so never aim an unloaded gun if that makes sense. Never threaten to say, you know, I'm done if you don't have a backup to, to fill the void yeah. if some vendor or whatever might yes. be might, might not um, be replaceable. These are the kind of nuggets we're after. I mean, that's a great so, piece of advice. You want to reflect on that, Brad? Yeah, I just, just brought up something that I remember, you know, remember learning from him as well. Um, treating secretaries and assistants and truck drivers well will get you everywhere. You know, you know, being nice to the boss or whatever, but you know, if a truck driver is pissed at you or a UPS driver, or whatever it is, he, he can ruin your whole day. So we treat those people, the you know, I don't want to say the lowest member of a, of, uh, of a company, but those people the best, uh, more so than anybody else, because those are the people that can really impact what's going on. Oh yeah, you know, I've seen it happen with you know, you know, some delivery service that will name unnamed, you know, nameless, you know, was pissed off at uh a neighbor and you know they wouldn't deliver their stuff on time this and that and so it's it's huge just to be in the good graces and treat everybody at every level very well and more so the people at the bottom level better than you know people up top which i think is huge yeah absolutely uh, both great pieces of advice so um you point out some really good things and i think you know a lot of people get caught up on in the the doing good which is good it's do it's good business to do good uh but it's not enough um, you also have to have those standards, those systems, those processes. You need the order, uh, the, the spreadsheets, right? Not the back of envelopes. So 
Uh, you guys took over. You came in. Um, when did you start uh, changing things or, uh, <laughs> or have you not? <laughs> no, you have to change. You have to adapt. And that's one thing about being a small business that we are. You can change on a dime mm. or, or shift anyway. Yes. Maybe not change, but shift is a better word. Um, but and you also have to be inspired every day you come into work. Um, when I graduated college, I graduated with a business major, journalism minor. Back at that, t- when I went to college, there was no such thing really as the internet set up. I mean, it was just starting back then. Um, but I came in um, with a journalism minor to, with the hopes of doing a uh, had an eight page newsletter every quarter, and I would write it. I would go visit farms or producers, and I would write it and. Um, take pictures. My sister's um, very artistic, so she would draw illustrations, and we'd put that in there. And the amount of work that went into it was incredible. So, I mean, I, I think both Brad and I, once we came into this business full time, we have every intention of a, every day you got to make it a little better and make it yes. a little bit more yours and take Absolutely. a little more ownership of when, part of it. When did that happen? When did this transition of full time happen? So I graduated college in 1998, um, and um, needless to say that eight-page newsletter that I would years ago. mail out and, and type in the addresses of each mailing oh um, is no longer because we have things where you just push send nice. now. <laughs> um, and Brad's taken over that part of the business and does an amazing job with it. And I, I mean, I'm, uh, I guess, well, it was my birthday yesterday and I, uh, my mom had to tell me that there were some nice pictures of me on Facebook that my wife had posted and I haven't even seen it yet. <laughs> so Brad's a little more savvy with Instagram and, yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, and, and Facebook, I'm um, just not my, my forte, that's for sure. So you started in 98. When did you start? Yeah, I graduated college in 04 and, you know, I had some fun living on the Cape for the summer. And then it's, you know, I was right working here starting September. Um, it's interesting. We're in a weird spot where we're very much old school and mom and pop. And like, you know, we, we really, my mom does the books, but she doesn't use QuickBooks or anything like that. And I'm having, I'm button heads with her right now um, to try to actually computerize our whole financial system. Um, but, you know, she's old school. She learned from my father, who's even more old school. And it, it's really a challenge that we're having um, just to kind of get with the times. But at the same time, there's merit to what they have been doing. And mm. it's been successful for almost 40 years. Um, you know, that being said, it, it's it's really kind of a fun job that I get to do to marry the old school with our, you know, even just a social media campaign, things like that. It's funny how Brian was just talking about his his mailer um, newsletter and that turned to constant contact. And I feel like even constant contact has dipped a little bit. And now then you know, that's Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and things like that. And you really got to know your clientele. Um, we're, a, you know, an affluent community 20 minutes outside Boston. My customer, you know, most often than not is like the soccer mom or something like that. If we were in the city, I would do much more Twitter, but my customers aren't into that. They're into Facebook. They're just getting into Instagram now. So you really got to be, you know, I'm trying to keep it old, you know, one foot in the old school and keep up that image. But at the same time, you know, you know, find new customers and stay kind of, you know, current with what's going on out there. It sounds almost like you're at an advantage, though, because you can look to what's happening now. Um, and know where to, I mean, because the, 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 it sounds like your target market are the people that are on the, the trailing edge of like the wing, right? Like, so they get, they pick up the trends late. Yeah, what's that, first adopters or something yeah, exactly. like that? So they're not first adopters. So you can see what other markets are doing, wh- what, what's happening now, and then you can kind of prepare and like – uh, be almost proactive to where your target are, your target market's going to be. Yeah, that's well put. I mean, yeah, we've definitely shot and missed a few times. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but it's 
Yeah, you know, it's the fastest demographic on Facebook right now is women over 60 or something like that. I, I, I heard that, but I, I can see it too because my mom just this past couple months has a Facebook, you know, I read Carol Wasik wants to be your friend on Facebook. I'm like, Jesus Christ. But it's true and she'll see it now and like her friends come in and they're like, oh, I saw this. It's so genuine to see something like you just put up a picture of this crazy cheese we just got in and then, you know, it's pretty easy now. You can put on Twitter or Facebook, Instagram all at once, whatever it is. And someone come in 15 minutes later, oh, I just saw this. Do you have it? And it's so refreshing because we're still so small just to see that instant reaction to yeah. it. I mean, I kind of want to lean into this whole co- concept of um, transitioning from the old school to the new school. But, you know, there's some there's something to be said about not losing parts of aspects of the old school because there's a, I think a lot of people get in trouble from moving too far into the new school and forgetting about the values that the old school delivered. We try to be very cognizant of that. You know, we're very grateful, which, which got us here for 40 years, and we're really, really, really slow to jump to anything – you know anything new and cutting edge? Um, yeah. It's which is good and bad, but I, I think it's definitely a benefit. We're really cognizant. Brian's got yeah. something to say. I think go for it. Not to mention what we sell. What we were we're is very old. Yeah. <laughs> um, our people come in the store all the time and say, "What's new?" And yes, we are great getting unbelievably fantastic new American cheeses, mm-hmm. but they're all based on cheeses that have been around since mm-hmm. pre-Napoleon. Yeah. Um, so our, our medium is, is very old school mm-hmm. at the same time. So I'm curious. Oh, go ahead. Brad. Traditional, I think, is, is really the huge word Look, going through there. Like, you know, everyone's trying to reinvent the wheel and do this and that and what's new and exciting and, and fresh. And more often than not, something that's been made for 400 years is going to be so much better than anything brand new. Not all the time. You know, sometimes yeah. the new stuff is fantastic, but just just I think as a trend for the, yeah. for the most part. So is it safe to say right now that the two of you are, are running the store, uh, making the business decisions? Uh, it, it, we have a pretty. It's hard. Uh, one of the best things we have going for us is we're a family business, and that's also one of the hardest things for us yeah. as well. Uh, so we have a pretty good division of labor. Um, as we said before, mom does all the books, and she buys the majority of the shelf items, chocolates, things like that, sweets, cookies. Um, Brian does an amazing job purchasing all the cheese. Uh, and then I get the luxury of buying all the wine, which is really, really fun. And then we'll kind of cross over when it comes to charcuterie or this or that. But uh, we try to keep a, a pretty clear cut division of labor um, in that way because we can pretty much, you know, be not an expert, but have our expertise in certain fields. So we're not spread too thin. Okay. Oh, man, so many potential directions are going right now. <laughs> I'm like, which one do I pick? Um, so a lot of what I've learned has to do with. Uh, coming together and leveraging the strengths and we, you know, not necessarily the weaknesses, but everyone has strengths and weaknesses. And I've personally found that it's the, it's the businesses that are partnerships that do the best, unless you're some freak show that's good at everything. Um, so how do you guys leverage your strengths individually to kind of balance everything out and find your own individual lanes within the, the shop? Does that make sense? So I need to, I see you guys kind of uh, the browser. <laughs> no, I mean I don't know what it is. It, it just if it, it works because it, it fell into place because you know my my personality and my brother's personality we're very different people. You know we have very similar common interests with food and wine. Um, I'm six years younger. Brian just said he you know he went to the, when he was in college the internet was just kind of forming. You know I have that benefit so that just worked. Um, you know, he got into the business before I did as far, as far as purchasing cheese and things like that. So that's always been his baby. And then I, you know, it just, it kind of fell into place. We were pretty lucky that way. And our personalities, you know, kind of dictate that. It, but, you know, at the end of the day, the most important 
part of, of the whole thing the operation is waiting on customers behind the counter. That's yeah. it. Um, and you know, we were, we're lucky to where we grew up in a, in a business where we were forced to do that at age 14 or whatever it is dealing with people and having people skills. So right. I don't know if I answered your question, but no, you, you did. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask, uh, I was going to write a note real quick. So I don't forget. Cause I definitely want to come back to that. Um, the next question, uh, something I really want to go into is, this, well, let me ask you this. What is your opinion of the saying, never go into business with family? <laughs> I'm just going to reiterate the fact that Brad said it's the hard not. <laughs> um, no, it's the most beautiful thing, and it is the hardest thing that we, we come up against. Um, so what, what's the hard part? The hard part is different personalities, and um, I can't tell Brad what to do, and he can't. He, it shouldn't be telling me what to do mm-hmm. um, but yet we have to have the same common goal yeah. and yet we're very different people brad's very extroverted he um he can work a room when he's giving a, a lecture on wine like no other he really he's in the wrong business he should be a politician um i am very introverted and um i like to really get into nitty-gritty of, of you know bacteria and why cheeses are doing certain things um he's front of house on back of house i guess in, in restaurant terms but at the same time, we both have to 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 bring it every single day to the cheese counter to to um to talk with people. And he's got his customers. I've got my customers. My mother's got her customers. We have employees that um, the customers wait for them too. So it's it's um, when you walk into Wasix, it's always a unique um, experience for each person because um, of what we, we we do offer to the customer. But yeah, family businesses are difficult. And there's no getting around it. But at the same time, it's the most beautiful thing because when we sit down on Christmas Eve at Brad's house, um, it's a, it's a beautiful feeling. You know, yeah. we we just survived a great Christmas, and I say survived because it's a it is a, it's a brutal <laughs> brutal it, season. Man, it's hard work, you know, and uh, it's, it's um, very few um, as people all people in the restaurant industry know it's a, it's a it's a tough tough business, but um, or food business anyway. Yeah. But sitting around that table and sharing the war stories through the season, and there's a certain bond I think we do have that other families don't. That's for sure. No, I, th- I think that. Um, do you want to add to that? Yeah. You're just going to lean in. Go for it. No, I, I, well, Brian put in much better words what I was trying to say. I think just as far as our different personalities, um, it's unique because we definitely grew up in the business, and I try to, you know describe it to my wife or something like that and it just it doesn't go over and you don't know about it until you experience working with your family that being said i know i could not work with my wife we're just we would kill each other (laughs) i don't know how my parents did it for 35 years almost um that takes a a rare breed to work with your spouse i feel like and to be able to drop that and go home and be a spouse and a parent um so hats off to them for for figuring that out because that that's something I know personally I couldn't do. I can't speak for Brian there, but I'm blown away by that every time. No, I mean, the only thing I want to add is I, I kind of have this feeling of, um, I think it's a lot of BS, the whole idea that don't go into business with family, because look at where we came from. I mean, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, there, there was nothing but family businesses. Uh, it's not an issue with the going into business with family. It's, it's an issue with your, maybe your family. I hate to say it or an issue <laughs> with, uh, the business. Um, and it seems like everybody always blames it on don't go into business with family, but you guys are another beautiful example of a family who is crushing it. And, um, 
I don't know. It'll be interesting going forward. It's, you know, looking at some of the statistics of family businesses and how, you know, from the first generation to the second generation, they'll they'll grow and expand. And because the second generation was kind of brought up in that and they'll take the lessons they've learned from their youth and growing up and, and grow the business now and might have it a little bit better off than the first generation. But then when it comes to the third generation, they've kind of grow up with a little bit more luxury and, and more success and they might not be as hungry. Um that's a t- totally different tangent, but I, I like to think we're a little bit more cognizant of that. I'm really curious to see what happens down the road. I mean, Brian's kids are young. My kids are even younger. So we'll see what happens, and it'll be exciting. Um, that being said, there's you know I've already had the conversation with my wife. I'm not going to put pressure on my children to go into the family business. They're going to have the freedom to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is, it's fascinating because we're at this time now where we're the third generation is here. You know, they're, they're 10 years old. Yeah. So um- – there's a couple more things I definitely want to make sure we hit. And I mean, you, the, the business has been in business since 1979. So we're looking at what would that be? Almost 30 years now? Almost 30 years? 40. 40 years. Wow, I can't do math. Um, but over almost 40 years you've been in business. Uh, a lot has changed. Not just technology, which we kind of touched on already, but just the, the economy. Uh, it's really hard for small retail family businesses to make it. Um, so can we go into some of that hard time um, and how you guys came out of it? Oh, you just got to be nuts to do it. <laughs> um, our rent is is astronomical. I've, when I was younger and maybe not as smart as I am now because I'm incredibly smart now, right? Aren't we all? Mm. No, um, <laughs> I'm always learning. And I used to beg my dad, well, that's, you know, there's a great location over here. Let's move over here. And he'd always say, no, you're, you're on one of the top streets in the country. There's, there's um, Greenwich Ave and Greenwich. There's um, Rodeo Drive. There's um, all these. And not only are we one of the top five streets in the country, we're on the sunny side. Um, and so the cost of doing business in this area is, is astronomical. You really have to get in and, and it's a grind and, and, um, and, and work hard. Um, what was the question? <laughs> the question was, what do you think? I mean, I hate to say it, but like it's, it's almost a dying breed. And I don't want um, it to be a dying breed, the idea of small retail uh, delicatessen, like deli, like or what's the word? Specialty foods. Uh, it's, it's really hard to, to do it well today and stay in business and to make a living. So um, how, what were some of the challenges? What were some of the things you overcome, you overcame? Uh, and how, I mean, I guess, how did you overcome it? I think paramount for us and for a lot of these things is choosing your location carefully. My, my father moved from Connecticut, moved the whole family, uprooted, had no family up here, no support structure because of this location. So that's the, the number one thing. Choose your location carefully. Um, it's a rare breed to, 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 to be the pioneer somewhere, you know, he, he, which is great because you got cheaper rents and, you know, look at Del Posto in New York City where when they moved in 20 years ago, there was nothing going on there. And now it's one of the higher rent districts in New York City. That's fantastic. And that's, you know, a huge success story. Um, but you really got to choose your location carefully. And we're a we're, we're a upscale luxury item is what we're selling. We can't exist everywhere um you got to have you know uh for our business you know a more affluent clientele um but also you got to have pretty decent turnover too you got to be busy and so you know thank goodness we're at one of the last few destination main street you know shopping areas around because so much is becoming homogenized with strip malls and this and that so i just location 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 like any real estate and you, you, you touch on something that's really important there about location and not like the tangible aspect of a location. Um, you, you talked a little bit about the, um, you know, as far as demographics, like the income level that has to be a spot on with what you're selling. But the thing that you just 
mentioned, which I think is the most important part, is be a pioneer. Um, be if you're gonna do something someplace, be the best at it. So go to wherever something is, and if you can't be the best at it, then don't do it because you got to be number one to make it. Uh, is one thing I've learned. Uh, do you think? Do you disagree with that? I mean, was was like, I don't, what's the? No, I don't disagree. I. <laughs> You really got to also different areas have different different populations, and this is huge painting with huge brushstrokes. Like we're totally generalizing here, and there's exceptions to all these rules. But you know, you know, in Wellesley, my clientele is going to be hugely different than it is in the North End versus Cambridge, right? And these are all communities within 30 minutes of each other. But the clientele is going to be totally. And I know when a customer is here from the North End and in our shopping in our store, or they're used to shopping in Cambridge, just by the way they buy and things like that. So you really got to cater to the clientele you're working with. Yeah. That's huge. <laughs> or you could be like me when I walked in and said, "I have forty dollars." I was like, "Get." What can I get? No, but that's awesome. <laughs> I, you know, if I was, you did it right. If there's a customer in our story, I much more appreciate it because I, I, I'm trying to make it the best experience you possibly could have. And now I know what I'm working with. And if you spend $40, I'm going to give you probably $50 worth of cheese, $60 worth of cheese, yeah, but yeah. you're going to have a great experience because that's you huge. We're huge. getting off Thank on a, we're, we're getting off on a tangent here. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know where we're going, but, uh, yeah, being the best of what you do is, you know, if you can't be the best in your area, yeah, it's you know we we strive for greatness yeah. every day just because if we're if we're not we're not going to be around yeah. long too. I mean, it's not enough. It's it's important to be passionate. We touched a little bit about the importance of being passionate for what you do, but if your passion if you if wherever you are doesn't support your passion, then you're not going to make it. And it seems like your dad recognized that. He knew he had a passion. He knew that there was an opportunity here. The right clientele were here, and I'm assuming nobody was doing it at that time. I don't know the history. Um, were there, was there much competition? So there was an existing franchise location here and he knew, um, that the owners were older mm. and so he approached them to buy it. So it was already here. But at that time, um, you know, European cheeses were, it wasn't a big thing in the United States. Yep. It was, it was, um, there's a lot of, there was a lot of room for growth and we're still yeah. growing today. Um, and the, over the years, competition has come and gone. Um, but if you have hard enough, you know, it's easy to, to <laughs> I just accidentally stopped the recording. Uh, you said if it's not tight enough, it's not, wait, let, let, no worries. <laughs> oh, beautiful. My screen went quiet and I went to go wake it up and in doing so, I no sleep. let's just make fun of myself right here. Uh, and I'll apologize for that, but <laughs> keep going. <laughs> so it, the competition's come and gone, yeah. um, but you gotta be, um, you, you gotta, you know, really be the best and have the best quality, but uh, more importantly, provide the best experience for the, the customers to stay, stay in business. And um, it's amazing to see what we've weathered in terms of competition over 40 yeah. years. So some big names from um, some big um, food establishments have come through here and they haven't lasted. Yeah. So. And uh, you mentioned something else that really uh, is another lesson in, in itself. And your dad approached these folks as they were close or getting close to retirement uh, and being somebody's exit strategy. If you want to open is such a great way to get into a turnkey operation, low cost uh, because you're someone's retirement plan and you can get great deals like that. So another little nugget right there. Um, the last thing I want to lean into before we go to the speed round uh, is this idea of uh, evolving over time. Right? So you had mentioned that you're always getting better and it's uh, you're, you're taking a business that was formed in, 79 and we're here almost 40 years later what were some of the key things you've done over the time to evolve um and just, just to stay relevant 
Uh, well, most recently, just because we're sitting in my wine storage room right now, um, Wellesley had been a dry town since Prohibition. Um, and I, it, there was talk a number of times getting wine licenses for retail and things like that. Um, nothing ever went through for the past 10 years. So then uh, we got involved um, and it took a lot of work. I went to every single board, uh, board of select meeting for over a year. Um, and if anyone's ever done that, it's like watching paint dry. Um, but literally, yeah, I, I, I and it, it took a two year process, but it, it was incredibly worth it. So, I mean, that's been a huge transition in our business too. Um, we kept it small. They, they wanted to keep it small. We're huge fans of that. So it's like 25% of retail space. We can't expand beyond that. And I don't want to, every cheese and wine shop quickly becomes a wine shop that has cheese. And we really didn't want to lose sight of what got us here for over the past 40 years. And we become a destination cheese shop somehow or another, but so we wanted to just be a value added experience as opposed to be, you know, become the major focal point. Um, that being said, being able to have a small, well curated selection has been really fun because, you know, it's, it's, it, I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking for here, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, you know, yeah. Um, we do deal in an old medium or cheeses don't change or they change but um, for for me it's the most important thing to be proud of every piece of cheese that leaves or wine for that matter for Brad that leaves this front door of our our, our store has, has got to be impeccable um, and that, that in, in itself is a constant struggle of maintaining um, quality and I'm very proud of what we do do here um, so that that we haven't made better. That's just something we've always done. But in the way that we do do it is is, is um, uh, changing. Um, uh, we do a ton of cheese and wine classes. We um, um, do a ton of events and things of that nature. Um, but, and most of these, are, I teach classes quite a bit, maybe sometimes up to three or four a month. And I, I do it, A, because it helps pay my bills. But B, when my, when my kids are getting expensive, they're into all sorts of sports now. Yeah. Um, but B, I do it because I, I truly enjoy it. And, and every class I teach, I go in with the same outline. Yeah. But every class I teach is completely different. You've got to be picking up customers doing those classes, though, because it's just the value of educating people on something. They feel that new knowledge that they have, they're going to tie to that product or service. And they know that they can only go one place to get it in certain mm-hmm. certain circumstances. Um, and when like just that that power of sharing knowledge is such a creative or such an experienced creator. Um, and that was one thing I was hoping you would mention is uh, by teaching those classes, by having these tastings, these pairings, these are sorry, these pairings, uh, the wine and cheese pairings, the the beer and cheese pairings. Uh, you're creating experiences, and I'm assuming that those weren't always happening. Maybe not legally back in the day, but like <laughs> no, we uh, <laughs> we did do them. I, I remember doing them a lot, a little bit here and there with my father through uh, adult education. And yeah. back then, we didn't even charge. We were just yeah. happy to get our name out there. Yeah. Um, but it's morphed over a time now where I, most of the classes I teach now are, you know, for hire in people's homes on a Friday, Saturday night. And the neatest thing is I, I have a, a menu printed on, you know, some pretty tangible paper, some, you know, cardstock of some sort. Um, and when I see those menus come back in the store, I get excited because they, they took the class or they, they, um, attended an event and they, they liked what they had and they're, they, they're, they're coming in for more and hopefully it's a new customer. Nice. Um, so that that's pretty – I love to see those come back to the shop in, in customers' hands. So I'm going to be uh, going to the speed round in a little bit. A little, and I can't talk this morning. In a little bit. But um, before we do that, I'm curious. Is there anything that we haven't 
touched on? Anything that you were hoping we would discuss or anything that's in the back of your mind right now that you want to get out before we, we go there? Yeah, uh, I don't know why, but Brian just reminded me, like, one of the coolest things in the world, when we we pair wine and cheese, and, you know, obviously it goes pretty well together just because of, you know, hundreds of years of evolution, just think these things pair pretty well. Um when you have that aha moment, you have the perfect cheese that's in the perfect condition. You have the perfect wine at the proper temperature. That's at its perfect life cycle. And it's like one plus one equals four or five. And it's that aha moment. And I still really remember my first one I ever had. And it doesn't happen all the time. It's pretty rare. But I was like 16 years old, 17 years old. We're sitting at our parents' dining room table. And you know, we had a customer who was in the Bordeaux business and gave us a really super high-end, incredible case of Bordeaux. And we had this raw milk camembert that was in perfect shape. And I, I tasted this thing and I was like, holy shit. I don't know if we can swear on the podcast, but hey, why not? It, it blew my mind. And I still literally remember this 20 years later. And that was my first oh my God moment. And when I when I when a customer experiences that and I'm there for it, it's like the coolest thing in the world. I, I get I get super super excited about that still. Um, and there's the last thing, you know, we're in a higher end business and we kind of talked about that. But what we really try to do, and I think this is so huge, is is it, people can get so pretentious about things. Um, they might know more about wine than you. Or is that there's that sommelier that kind of talks down to you? And I think it's really important to educate without being pretentious. Mm. Um, and that's something that we have kind of identified here. That something we'd always been done, but we we try to identify what what works for us and what makes us us, and kind of par- parlay that to our staff more and more now with communication. But you know, being able to educate without pretension, and you know, it's moldy milk and it's sour grape juice, right? If you look at it that way, and it. it it, obviously, it's awesome stuff, but but talking down to people and getting so serious about it, it really takes away from enjoyment. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think that's what we try to do. You know, that's one of the biggest things that we haven't talked about yet is trying to do all this great stuff, but without pretension. Huge, Brad. Do you want to, Brian? Do you want to add anything to that? No, that's good. <laughs> awesome. Well, no, like our, our father, yeah. you know, we saw like the best quality foie gras in the world. And our father's favorite thing was to have this foie gras with Pringles, right? You have the best thing in the world. Then you have like a, you know, a gas station snack. And you know what? It worked really well. And it's fantastic. And awesome. So if you haven't had foie gras with Pringles, you, you need to, by the way. Get some Pringles on the way home and stop at a restaurant. Um, all right. Awesome, guys. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. All right, guys, it's time to get real and answer this question honestly. Does the quality of your website match the quality of your restaurant? If the answer is no, you need to do something about it because 89% of your guests will go to your website before going to your restaurant. So you've got to make sure you're bringing it to all aspects of your business. And this is where Bento Box comes in. Not only will Bento Box help you deliver your brand and your story online, but it will help you let the full potential of the internet because websites are no longer static brochures. They're dynamic tools that help you drive revenue. With Bento Box, easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events, plus way more directly from your website. Find out why Bento Box is trusted by thousands of restaurants around the world, including past and future guests like Suvla, Pizza Emily, 11 Madison Park, The Meatball Shop, and more. Head to getbento.com and make sure you mention Restaurants Unstoppable to get up to $1,500 off your initial setup. 
payroll and benefits. It's hard. Sometimes it feels like a foreign language, especially for small businesses. I mean, you, you're too busy running your business. You don't have time to be an expert in all things taxes and regulations. That's why there's Gusto. Gusto is making a payroll benefits and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. PC Mag and Fit Small Business have called Gusto the best payroll for small businesses. Gusto will save you time. 72% of customers spend less than five minutes to run their payroll. Gusto is more efficient and reliable. Four out of five customers actually reduce payroll errors after switching to Gusto. People who succeed in this industry have access to systems and information, and Gusto will provide both. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable. G-U-S-T-O dot com slash unstoppable. All right, we're back. And the first question I have for you, too, is what are your it factor? So one it factor from each of you. So it's a strength, a habit, a characteristic that you think most, I guess, contributes to your success. Who wants to go first? I'm really obsessive. Um, No matter what it is, I'll pick (laughs) one thing. And that's kind of all I focus on. Um, And I think that's also it's um, if it's, you know, a cheese or quality or. Um, things change so much here with seasons we're, we're dealing with agriculture. So uh, cheeses that are, uh, you know, made in the springtime or whatever, whatever season they're in, I'll get really obsessed about those things. And then before you know it, that season's over. And then I get to obsess about something else. And I, um, uh, so I, I think it's also going to be a detriment at times, but it, I'm very focused on, on things. Awesome. And uh, Brian, what, sorry, Brad, Brian and Brad, it's a little confusing. Uh, <laughs> what's your factor? I think our parents did that on purpose. <laughs> um, I don't know. Lately, I've uh, tried to get a little bit better every day, 1% better every single day, um, and just kind of self-evaluate a, you know, my personal service, you know, wh- however I do my job, but also the store, and try to communicate that with the store. Hey, guys, we can get better at this going forward. And not huge tweaks, but like, you know, everything from cell phones behind the counter, which is obvious one to, you know, just... Ha- to customer service and how we treat people when they walk in the door. Um, but yeah, just try to get a little bit better every single day and it keeps things fresh. That's all. Cause we get, in, you know, we've been doing this for so long. We grew up in this business and things can kind of get an autopilot. Um, and it's really nice to just stay, you know, and not do it often, you know, maybe just a, a, a monthly meeting we have. We don't do a lot of team meetings every day or anything like that. But we're trying to do that more often, you know, weekly and, and monthly, especially leading to the holidays and things like that. Beautiful. Back to Brian. What is your biggest weakness? I wonder if it's obsession by it's because I'm obsessive. <laughs> um, no, I get, I can, be very center-minded i have to be mindful of that that's for sure um you know um, be i have to be open um about things more than than i possibly could be maybe (laughs) and back over to brad Ooh, tough question uh i get excited about one new product and then i'll fly over to that and then i'll be excited about this new wine so i'll fly over that and I, i really won't pay enough get enough attention or educate the staff enough and educate myself enough in something before I'm on to the next thing. So I really could concentrate on things a little bit longer before I'm I'm a little ADD. Yeah. Right. (laughs) 
Uh, all right, the next question. What's one question or thing you look for during the interview process or hiring process? How are you hiring? I'm stealing this one, Brian. Uh, people skills would be the most important thing we look for. Um, we can teach them about cheese. We can teach them about wine. We can teach them how to use the cash register or whatever it is, that, you know, your positron system or whatever. Um, but you, it's really hard to teach somebody how to deal with people. Um, and we've run into that in the past. Um, so, you know, work ethic is obviously there, but, you know, we're hiring a lot more, uh, ex restaurant employees, uh, back of the house chefs, things like that, um, that love people skills and it's huge. It's, it's really, cause they already have the work ethic in place, but you know, it, you can't really teach, uh, teach people skills. Mm-hmm. Um, in, I'm happy you mentioned this cause I made a little note earlier. Uh, I put a little note next to, um, where was it? how to deal with people. You put a lot of emphasis on how to deal with people. So before we move on, uh, can you give us like one nugget, one lesson on customer service or how to read or deal with a person? Uh, this is the first thing that came to mind. I don't know if it's good or bad to put this in the podcast, but I still remember <laughs> being like 20 years old working at some crappy bar down in the Cape when I was a summer in college and the bartender who is you know came back every summer he goes if you want people to like you all you have to do is ask them questions about themselves yes, people love talking about themselves um so it's so paramount i still remember the guy's name mike calagero he was like a, a cabbie in the, down south somewhere in the in the winter time and then in the summer tenant bar in the cape but everybody loved him cuz all he would do he would just you know grill you on yourself and people loved it so they loved talking about themselves so that's a good nugget right there just awesome. ask pe- people questions about themselves Brian's or, yeah Brian's trying to get the mic <laughs> also you know um don't judge books by covers you know um get into conversations with everybody and see what they're all about because you might you deal with so many people over the course of a day or course of a season and you you think you know what people are going to do or order or say before they get up to the counter just by looking at them but don't you know you can't get you can't get pigeonholed into doing that and you got to be open because um you never know what people are like on the inside and um and I, I think that's very important and i think i've seen it happen from the other side of the counter when i'm somewhere else um people get labeled as such when they you know um you just have to be open to helping everybody it's a good extra little nugget there and the next question what's a current challenge your biggest challenge today Every day brings a new challenge that you're in business for yourself. I mean, uh, we're, you know, not only are we, um, what are we, president, vice president, CEO, whatever you want to call us, we're also sweeping floors. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also fixing things when they break. Um, Brad's making currently some great structures. Uh, he's a good carpenter. So he's doing um, some great things for the, the you know, the, the cheese counter just to update it. So every day has different challenges. For us, I think it's um, uh, interacting with each other. Um, just being family business as we've touched on before but um it it's um every day has a different challenge so it it's hard to say really brad yeah just not getting burnt out on the daily grind um because we've been doing this so long it, it can kind of seem like autopilot like i said before and i've really tried to remind myself you know try to every morning just like people are coming in because they want to come in make it a good experience for them uh you know they're spending their time and their money to to give you patronage like make it a good experience for them. You know, try not to just be burnt out and go through yeah. the motions. No, one thing that comes to mind listening to you guys talk, um, I'm, and it's only because I'm reading this book right now. I was actually listening to it on the way down here. Uh, man's search for meaning. It's a great book about this, uh, psychologist or psychologist, uh, who was also in the, um, 
the the camps, the um, concentration camps during World War II. Uh, but what he one of the big lessons he got from that uh, experience was that everything's relative. So you could be in the shit one day, um, and you could be out of it the next day. Uh, but you know, just be present and accept accept the process in that day for what it is. Because no matter what your situation, that mental you know that mental state is what really matters. And just like your dad, like be what's what best day of your life, day of your life right? Um, and it just you know just focus on what you got now in this moment and know that it's all relative and if you could be in a concentration camp but it could be the best day of your life given the circumstances or the worst you not the worst but you know what i'm saying yeah, um, makes I'm sense too far <laughs> um share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team hey, just to reiterate kind of beating a dead horse but you know just create a great experience for the people um with the Danny Myers book, what's setting the table and yeah. things like that, you can learn a lot from that. But you know, treat people how they want to, how you'd want to be treated when you walk in a store. And it's funny, I always pay attention when I'm in a retail shop, whether it's crate and barrel buying plates with my wife yesterday or at a restaurant, and how you get treated by the staff and, and, and the servers and things like that. And just, just like I said, getting one percent better every day. Just, just, just how how can you get better and just treating people the way you want to be treated. What's one uncommon standard of service? This is more like a, a physical thing you do uh, to kind of take it above and beyond that kind of is the unexpected. I think just uh, being friends with the people that come in. Yeah. You know, I, I, we, the, we can set your watch by who's in our shop. Um, Cynthia called for her chickens today. We sell these um, uh byproduct of, of what we do we have great meat companies and there sometimes we'll bring in some specialty meats for for a customer um and you know i didn't even have to look at caller id i could just tell tell it was cynthia on the phone this morning and cynthia had a cold so i could tell you know yeah. um it's just being interactive with your customers sure. and their yeah. and their lives too and how's your son will doing and you know say how sarah like in school kind of thing and it's not things like um, you say just to for the sake of saying it. I mean, we're generally. I mean, these are the people. I'm. They come in all the time, and they're 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 part of our life as much as we're part of their life. Awesome. Uh, okay, share one online resource. This could be a magazine. Uh, you go to get industry news or uh, a tool that you're leveraging online that you can share with our listeners. Yeah, that's a tough question. Um, but you know, this is going to sound cheesy, but just Instagram. Is that I pun intended. I'm sorry. No, I really wasn't sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, there's so many creative people out there. So I, even just with Instagram and social media and things like that, I just love to see what other people in the cheese business are doing. Um, cause I think we get in this rabbit hole of where like, oh, we've done it for so long and our dad was the first guy to import Brie and, you know, we, we, we've got it all figured out, but there are so many other creative people in the food business out there. So I'm really trying to, to, to pay attention to that and just, you know, gathering a knowledge. And, What's your and, favorite platform to learn about other people? Instagram. Oh, did you say Instagram? Oh, oh sorry. yeah. Sorry. I said it a couple of times. I think probably I was, mumbled I was, it, but yeah, no. I was caught up in the, the um, but yeah, you, you look at who I follow and it's all, you know, it's the Patriots and it's like food people and cheese people. It's so funny. Awesome. Well, I, I get a kick out of um, when I first started full time and we'd find this funky cheese out of Europe and he had to, find, he had to figure out where it came from. And we had atlases. Um, <laughs> we had underneath the counter, we had several atlases. We had Hugh Johnson's Atlas to Wine book. <laughs> That's not not a, a web page. We had uh, tr- translating um, 
uh, French to English and yeah. Italian uh, uh, translation books underneath the counter. That's awesome. um, but now you, you know, if you don't know something, you Google it, yeah. and it's amazing to see how easy access the world has it's now. For granted, for sure, absolutely. You literally know anything you want to know if you just are willing to go find it. Um, all right, what's one book that will make us a better person or restaurant, or in your case, cheese retail owner? Uh, I already said this, Danny Meyer's book, Setting the Table. Um, just I, how to treat people, you know, make people feel special when they're in there. They're, they're spending their time and their money with you. So make them feel as good as possible. Got anything to add to that, Ryan? No. <laughs> um, I, I thought about that question because I knew you were going to ask it. Um, and I, I read a ton um, and I have a lot of mindless hours downstairs in our kitchen down here um, that are just mindless work. So I use audibles yeah. all the time. I'm constantly, my life. Uh, it, you learn so much. I've, I go through, again, I'm obsessive. So I go through phases. I, I think I listen to everybody's autobiography from Marco Pierre White to Sarah Moulton. I think I don't, yeah. I don't I'm just joking about the last one. I don't know if she has one, but um, now I'm into nutrition down here or, um, uh, been re- listening to a lot of uh, Malcolm Gladwell outliers. Yeah, um, there's one that I just finished, but I, I can't say any. I think it's a, a symphony or a, you know a, a bunch yeah. of different things that you take away from. You just constantly have to keep learning. And uh, I am an affiliate of Audible, and I don't just plug Audible because I make an affiliate commission. Like literally, um, once I discovered Audible, like I maybe before Audible, I might have read one or two books from front to cover, and I probably go through one book a week minimum now. Uh, whenever I'm in my car or doing anything instead of music, I'm listening to people's advice and just surrounding myself with incredible people. And you can do that with Audible. It's so easy. Um, so head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable to get your free book. And it will. I'm, I'm not just saying this because um, like it helps out the podcast. Like It will change your life for sure. Uh, what's one piece of technology that's like a tangible piece of technology that you're using like inside your your business today that's made an impact? Brad just ordered a brand new custom made cheese knife. Nice. Let's <laughs> take a picture of that. We're, we're about as low tech as possible. <laughs> um, we still handwrite the name of the cheeses on your uh, on the paper. There's I, a certain amount of charm to that. I, there is and there isn't. Let's go um, back to the well for the customer, maybe not for you. Yeah, if you can't, <laughs> but if we're slammed, you might not be able to read yeah. my writing. But uh, yeah, so it's weird. You know, so many of these are cliche answers. It's tough, but like how amazing the freaking iPhone is in the past couple of years where I'm able to do everything on it, all of our photography and social media. You know, once a year we might get a professional to- photographer in to take some good pictures, but everything is done in your palm. Um, so that's the only thing that's really changed because we are, we try to really remain as low tech as possible. Um, but also, Brian mentioned the, the knife from Adam Simha. I got to give him a plug. He's unbelievable. He does a lot of knives for chefs in Boston, things like that. Um, cool guy and the knife have that knife link in the the, the show notes we uh we've been looking for over 20 years maybe 30 years for a good behind the counter you know double handled cheese knife and nothing we've purchased has been able to come close so we had to have one made um it's like the coolest new piece of equipment that's so primitive but it's so cool we all fight over it now one more time adam simha adam simha i'll be linking to that in the show notes uh okay guys this is the last question it's a big one so get ready for it if you got the news that you'd be leaving this world tomorrow and all the memories of you, your work and your stores would be lost with your departure, except for the three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity in the, the food and beverage industry, what would those three pieces of wisdom be? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, go for it. Well, I think I'm finding that I'm getting older. I, um, when I started, I was learning, 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 learning. And that's what kept me passionate. 
um, now I find it's um, really gratifying to pass on what I'm learning. Um, so through the, the guys and girls that work on the cheese counter, um, kind of take them under your wing and say, you know, I have knowledge that I've gotten just from firsthand experiences um, as opposed to learning about in a book or reading about or seeing on a slideshow at a cheese event or something like that. But if you do this to this cheese, this is what's going to happen. And if you do this, it's gonna, this, gonna, this is what's going to happen. Um, so that to me is I, a thing of saying passionate uh, to pass these things on. The other thing is um, two very broad things, I think, living a life of balance. Um, it's very easy to, to indulge a lot in the food business. And then it's also, um, if you want to walk a very pious life, that's not as fun either. So try to, try to stay in the middle, you know, I'm just trying to be balanced and then purpose. And, um, what, when you wake up every day, what's your purpose? What are you going to do? What are you going to achieve today? Um, those are the three things I have. You're supposed to go after that. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, you know, just the main thing for me is just, to, you know, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And I genuinely love getting together with family, with friends and enjoying awesome food. It, it, that that kind of what gives me purpose. And, and, and just gathering together and just, you know, constantly being in pursuit of great times and great food with great people. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. Awesome. Beautiful stuff, guys. That's it. Uh, we wrap up every episode by uh, calling someone out. So who is somebody in this industry you admire, uh, maybe in your community that you admire, in, uh, who's crushing it in on the food scene that we could learn from and uh, call them out? Um, I'm really now. I really like the guys over at uh, Sycamore, um, and they have Little Big Diner, and they just opened uh, the Buttonwood, their third restaurant, I think. Dave Punch is the uh, the main guy there, um, and I don't know Dave very well at all, but I really respect him because everyone that works for him loves working for him, and that's the one thing I've noticed that his staff is incredibly loyal, and they all love it, and they all seem to have a great time. Um, and yeah, that, that's my plug right there. All right. And, uh, you got somebody you want to call out, Brian? So my uncle Ken, uh, he owns the cheese shop, uh, dairy and cheese and fine food down in Connecticut. And he is definitely a crusader of all things in cheese. That's genuine, um, raw milk, pasture fed, um, animals, um, He's meticulous in how he keeps his shop. He used to work for my father, worked under my father um, back in the old days, and now he it's my mother's brother, younger brother. And um, if you ever get the chance to go to see his shop, it's immaculate. Oh, man. Um, Connecticut, you said? Darien, Connecticut. Uncle Ken, look out. I'm coming after you. And uh, <laughs> Dave Punch, you're also on my hit list. Uh, and let the folks at home know if they want to check out your website, uh, if they want to come visit you, if they ever you know, just outside or in Boston, they want to make a trip to come visit you. What's the best way to connect? Yeah. Uh, www.wasex.com. And then we're just on the main drag, 61 Central Street, Wellesley, Mass. Social handles? At uh, Wasex Cheese Shop on Instagram and, you know, Facebook's uh, Wasex Cheese Shop as well. We don't do Twitter yet. We're not that fancy. Beautiful. And I believe this is episode 424. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 424. I'll link to uh, the books and uh, a summary of the conversation and uh, how to connect with them all over there. 424. Uh, Brad, Brian, guys, thank you so much uh, for taking the time. This is cool. Uh, there is no questioning. You are unstoppable.
Well, there's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurants Unstoppable. And man, I'm loving these on-site interviews. And one of the reasons why I want to do these on-site interviews is because you really get to connect with these incredible people. It's not just a phone call and let's get to business and thanks for your time. See you later. You get to spend time in their place of business and see how they are with their family and with their customers. And uh, you just get a real sense of who they are and you get to truly experience the greatness that these people have become. And man, I'm just loving these online interviews or not these online, these on-site interviews. They're awesome. And I hope you guys are, are picking up on the increased impact. I'll call it. Uh, I don't know. I know I I'm getting more out of it. I, I hope it's transferring over to you guys. And for me, the big takeaways in today's conversation first is treat every day like it's the best day of your life. Those are words to live by. And the cool thing is we get to make that decision. We get to take a step back and pick a direction. We can go into that direction that's miserable and life isn't exactly what I want it to be. And you know, I don't have everything I want to have, or you can stop and look at what you do have. Uh, you have a beautiful family. You, you have this business that you get to you get to choose every day what you you want to do. Your passion. You get to lean into your passion. You get to share your passion with other people. And I mean, you get to you get to do that every day. So every day is the best day of your life. And just having that mentality and knowing that it's it's your choice to make will go so far. Uh, also, we're in the business. Of people, we're not in the food business. We're in the the, the people business. Uh, I love the emphasis they put on just relationships and uh, caring about their guests. And if you want somebody to take an interest in you, take an interest in them. I thought that was great advice, and it's so true. And then, lastly, always be learning, always be improving. You've never quite made it. There's always something you can do a little bit better. And if you take that mentality and you show up every day a little bit better than you were the day before, it's amazing what will happen in your life. And most importantly, uh, when you're always learning and you have this wealth of knowledge, and I think it was Brian that alluded to this at the very end, uh, he's got this newfound, uh, I guess, desire, not desire, but newfound uh, love, or I don't know what word you want to use, uh, appreciation, we'll use the word appreciation for sharing that knowledge with other people. And that's what this podcast is all about, is passing that knowledge on to others so we can all share in uh, you know, the potential of what this industry can be in the impact we can have on others. So awesome stuff today. A uh, great conversation. And this episode is airing Wednesday. It's the last Wednesday before I really take the podcast on the road up to this point. I've been kind of just cruising around and, you know, hitting places that are within a, an hour or two of where I'm located. But as of this Saturday, only like three days away, I'm uh, going to be living on the road. And my first stop is going to be Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So if you're out in Pittsburgh, uh, if you have any recommendations for me, I'm looking for interviews. Uh, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Or if you just want to get a beer or have a coffee, I would love to meet you. I would love to chat. Uh, don't be afraid to reach out. And after Pittsburgh, it looks like Columbus, Ohio is the next stop. So same story there. Let me know. Um, and a special shout out to Roddy Gibbs over at Total Loyalty for uh, hosting me in Pittsburgh. And then Mikey, uh, I know his last name, Sabar, um, I can't, I can't think of your last name, dude. Don't please forgive me, uh, from 
Mikey's Late Night Slice. Uh, he's going to be hosting me. Uh, Saborado, Sub- I should probably know your last name since you're coming on the show in a couple days. Uh, don't judge me. I'm sorry. Uh, and after that, it looks like I'm going to be hitting up Kentucky and Tennessee. So um, big things happening here at Restaurants Unstoppable. Uh, I'm so grateful for you, my audience, for uh, the people who are listening to the show, reaching out and being so willing to uh, support the cause of just creating this melting pot of mentors so we can all learn together and just show up being a little bit more unstoppable than the day before. So awesome stuff, guys. Uh, social handles. You guys know how to get a hold of me. Like I said, Eric at Restaurant Unstoppable. Eric Cacciatore on Instagram and Twitter slash Restaurant Unstoppable on Facebook. Uh, please help support the show by sharing it. That's the best way you can show your appreciation for what I'm doing. So right now, stop what you're doing. Uh, Go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 424 and share this episode. Uh, Those shares are the best way to support what I'm doing. I think that's good enough for now. Thanks so much for sticking around this long. And until next time, peace out.